Hello and welcome to the Xanimo Wine Podcast. I'm David Clark. This episode is a conversation with South African viticulturist Rosa Kruger. Tony Rosa, as I call her, is a force to be reckoned with. An ex-lawyer and very proud Afrikaner, Rosa has travelled extensively throughout the grape-growing world and is now one of the most important voices on viticulture in South Africa. She is a consultant and has worked with some of the most iconic names of modern South African wine. Eben Saadi, the Malinus, the Arlites, Rupert and Rothschild, uh, Buchenhutzkliff, to name just a few. She started the Old Vine Project, which is a non-profit organisation which aims to promote and preserve the old vineyards of South Africa. She is probably the most deeply passionate person I have met when it comes to South African vineyards and those who work them. I wanted to talk to her about the state of viticulture in South Africa, a little bit about the history and how it has changed in the last 10 years with the rise and rise of local wine quality and her vision for the future of the South African vineyard. Tanya Rossi is one of my favourite people. She is strong-willed, does not take any shit, deeply thoughtful and beautifully intelligent. We don't always agree and I challenged her on some points and she challenged me. But as always when I talk to my Tani, I leave the conversation with much more insight and energy than when I started it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Rosa Kruger. When we first met, I called you Rosa Kruger. Mm-hmm. And you gave me that look that, uh, <laughs> that, that um, you're a little bit disappointed in me. So, now your place. <laughs> yeah. How, how should people, um, how should we, we, we pronounce your name? My name is Rosa Kruger, Kri, Kriar, but I'm Afrikaans yeah. and I like being, I'm very proud of it mm. to be Afrikaans. Uh, my name is Rosa Kriar. I am a viticulturist, not really a viticulturist, I'm a vineyard manager. I never studied viticulture and you can only call yourself a viticulturist if you studied viticulture. I never studied viticulture. I studied other things, but not viticulture, formally. Uh, and I'm a vineyard manager of various sites all over the Western Cape. Okay, so but you consult to... I consult to five clients, yeah. formally, Yes. Uh, to some others informally. Yes. But I consult to five clients and I run the existing vineyards from pruning to harvest. Yes. I also consult for them in development of new vineyards or um, developing farms outside the existing farms uh, on long-term contract with outside farmers. Okay. So if you want to buy a farm in South Africa, you phone me or some of the other consultants in the country. You say to me, I want serum, this kind of style. And I'll say to you, okay, that comes from schist soil or clay soils or iron-rich soils or Different rocky soils. Or... or that's kind of slope from that mm-hmm. kind of mountain uh, at that altitude. Mm-hmm. And then... You'll say to me, go look for a farm, I'll buy you a farm, I'll design the farm according to the slope, uh, the radiation, the, there's like 18 factors you take into account when you develop a farm. And then we'll appoint a farm manager and I'll help him develop the vineyards and I'll assist. And that's what I do. Okay. But you, you seem to, um, I mean, we know each other, so I know a little bit about your history and who you work with. You seem to work with producers that are almost solely concentrated on quality? I will not work with anyone that does not have respect for viticulture. That's it. I think there's a huge... uh, What does that actually mean, no respect for viticulture, in terms of...? Some winemakers think they can make the wine in the cellar. A lot of winemakers actually do that. Mm. But I seem to differ from that. 
and so does most of the great vineyards and vineyard sites and best wines in the world. I think people know if you want to make a really great wine, you have to have great viticulture. Mm. You, can't make, you can't make great wine without great grapes. Yes, it's and the, from the right side. Yeah. It's actually quite complicated. Mm. People seem to think you go... To, sometimes I get people from overseas mm. saying, or from Joburg, coming down to the Cape. Overseas? Saying, yes. You know, that's for me, this yeah. strange country. <laughs> they'll come to South Africa, or I mean, yeah, they'll yeah. come to the Cape and say, uh, buy me a wine farm, uh, and I'd say, well, what kind of wine do you like? They said, well, any, anyway, as long as a good address. Okay. So I say to them, you can't just buy a farm and, and think you're going to make great wine. It's not like making bricks or Tupperware. It's mm. really, it's an absolute skill, a science and an art combined in one. Mm. Cool. And how did you, you said you didn't, you didn't grow up in wine. You didn't, get, well, how did you get to wine? So you, were, you grew up in Pretoria, is that right? I grew I was born on, on a farm in the, near the Kruger National Park, which I absolutely love. Is that Kruger or is that Kriya? I get confused. The English is because your English I'll say it in English, otherwise you won't understand me. I think I will. That's you okay. will? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, David? Well, little bits and pieces. But so, so Kruger in, Afri in Afrikaans is, is pronounced Kriya. Kriya. Okay, that's right. right. Yeah. Kriya Nationale Park, yeah. which I absolutely loved because it was completely wild. Mm. There was no other people. There were no toll roads, no telephones. It was completely wild. Mm. That's why I grew up. I loved it. Mm. And then later on we moved elsewhere, but that was for me that was where I, where I was formed as a child. Yeah, um, that's the, the biggest impression on yes. you as a as a person. Yes, I still yeah. love going there. I still love mm. going for walks in the wild. And how old were you when you moved away from there? Uh, I moved to Johannesburg when I was seventeen. Okay. When I had to go and study. Right. So I moved to. I couldn't speak a word of English. I did. I've never been to a city before in my life actually, mm. maybe to Durban once. Mm. And I was left in Johannesburg with my suitcase and I had to find a job and start studying. So I studied uh, uh, journalism at first, did a postgraduate, started working at a newspaper. And then the, that was late, uh, late 80s and the politics was uh, strong at the time, yeah. to say the, the political least. political climate was quite um, volatile. And, yes, yeah. and I was a bit... Uh, uncomfortable with the situation mm. and then I went overseas for a couple of months uh, when I returned I got married I had my child and then I started studying law because for me doing nothing is not easy I mm. have to do something so I started while I was pregnant I started doing law studied law got my LLB degree started my articles and then I realized that I really don't like living in a city I okay. was always yearning for Living so where there's did you enjoy do you enjoy the law? I love law. Most yeah. of my family are. I'm from a very large family. Mm. They're all lawyers or farmers. So I loved law. I loved the intellectual challenge of it, and I loved going. My brother-in-law is one of the. I think one of the top. What do you call it when Lit you go litigator? litigators in the country? He's very good at cross-examination. I love going to court and listening to him. He's brilliant. Mm. And so all these children are also lawyers or advocates okay. or something. Mm. But when I... In the business. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't love, like living in a city. I hated that. Mm. I like living in a place where there's birds and trees. So I, just, I was offered a job as a farm manager in the Cape by chance because it was farming a little bit at the time. Sorry, no, that's a huge jump. How did you get offered a... Um... 
a, a farm manager's job in the Cape <laughs> from doing your articles in Johannesburg. I was, a, I was. That, there, there is, a, there is a, a bit of a gap there. Yes, there is. Um, we'll keep it at that. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I did do farming at the time. Okay. While I was pregnant I, mm. and studying, I was mm. also farming. Mm. I actually farmed prickly pears, can you believe it? And Prickly pears? And sold it to Woolworths. Okay. I had lots of jobs in my life because yeah. I, well, since I was 17, I had to take care of, of myself. Right. So I always had well, to find busy. some kind of way to make a living. Income, yeah. Uh, and then I, le- I just, I knew about farming. And my brothers are all very, very good farmers. Mm-hmm. I think they're very good. Okay. Anything about my family is always very good for me. I've noticed this. Um. <laughs> <laughs> my family, they're wonderful people. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, really yeah. are. I love Nothing all of them today. I think a bit of uh, nepotism and a bit of uh, totally. a bias. No, I don't even go. excuse myself from that. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it's, good are, the, it's good that you realise at the least, though. <laughs> no, not, but there yeah. are really are some of the leading farmers in the country. I'm or sure. used to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, was, I came to the Cape. Sold everything I had in Joburg. What time? What year is this coming coming to the Cape? Seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. Good year. Seventy-eight. No, no, no. Eighty-seven. Oh, sorry. 87. Okay. Eighty-seven. And I started. It was an apple farm, and we had a, a um, damaged by the hail, a masseuse, and a neighbour drove by me. Very swanky guy, long hair, very attractive guy. And he stopped me and I said, he, I said to him, so who are you? So he says, I'm your neighbour. And we started chatting, very nice man. And he said to me, why don't you consider grapes? I said to him, what? Because I always loved wine. Mm. And now the next day, I found Evan, Professor Evan Archer, who was one of the top academic, academics in this country on viticulture, I think. Yeah. I have the highest respect he, for him at, at the University of Stellenbosch, yeah. yes. So Evan Archer? Professor Evan Archer, yes. Okay. We still consults for me. Mm. I still learn from He's him. I phone him. Okay. Yes, I've still phone him like on a monthly basis and I say to him, what about this and what about that? And he's always been very kind to me. He's been kind to everybody. He's a very good um, um, teacher. So then he said to me, of course you can plant grapes. So I've been wanting someone to plant grapes there for years. And yeah, this is in Elgin. In Elgin, yes. So he started planting grapes. And in year three, we saw your Blanc. It was a fantastic success. I was very lucky. This is early 90s now. Giles Webb made the wine. Uh, and Giles loved the wine. And so Giles from there... So Thulema. Yes, yeah. yes. Is it Thulema or Thulema? Thulema. Thulema. Thulema in Afrikaans. Thulema. Yeah. Yeah, so this is why I get confused because I hear it both. So. Yes. Yeah. What does he call it? What does he call it? We made it under... Yeah, but what does he call is Telima. It, he calls it Telima, yeah, does he? So, okay. yes. yeah. Then I was headhunted from there. Okay. Someone phoned me and said, Do you do So at this, at this point, you're a farm manager? Or? I, was a, I was a farm manager at the okay. time, yes. Yeah. Not really even a farm manager, I was a farm hand. Right. And so, sort of like managing logistics and yeah, but yes. people yeah. and. Yeah, organizing the labor. Okay. But then a lot of people, I've been extremely lucky in my life that people always take pity on me and teach me. So at the time, I had the heart... Do you, do you think you inspire pity? The, I think so. <laughs> or maybe at that time you did. I'm not sure if that's the case anymore, or to be fair. <laughs> well, why do people still want to help me? So many well, people want to help I, me. I don't think that's pity, though, anymore. What is it then? I don't know. It's an interesting question. Be... But so many people help me. David, mm. honestly, I'm mm. being, being very honest with you now. I've been, 
I've been helped with so many people in my life. That's why I don't mind helping other people again. Yes. Because I've received so, so much. Possibly, Even Archie yeah. came to my farm with Professor David Simon, who's the best soil scientist this country has seen, mm. one of the best. And someone like Neil Rousseau. He was the farm manager at the vineyard manager at Vergelegen at the time. I met him, I said to him, I'm starting out. He said, well, let me help you. So this is early 90s as well? Yes. Just, okay, right. He came to my farm weekend after weekend mm. on a Saturday in his own time. I didn't have money to pay him. Mm. He came to my farm, to the farm and said to me, do this and do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. I asked the most stupid questions you can imagine. I was a, a trained to be a, an attorney. I knew nothing yeah. about grapes. You were pretty much green as fuck. I, that, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I was a total idiot. Mm. And they taught me. Mm. And I also learned, of course, from the labour. Yes. They, the guys I, who live on the farm work the yes, land. Yes, and they, yeah. I've always loved working with labour. Mm. For some reason, they like me and I like them. Mm. So, and then when I was headhunted for the first time, I, um, again, people, lots of people, people just seem, someone like Franchofel Jun, Johan Jun, the Vinpro guys, when I asked, people always helped me. Uh, why? I don't know. You now confuse my mind about why they helped me. But they did. And then from there I was headhunted. Every, I was asked to change the farm around from a battling farm to a successful site, which I quite did quite successfully. So, so the farm in Elgin, you established the vineyards? Is that what happened? And yes. then you brought it forward? Seven years. I was there for seven, seven years. years. So you were now in like, what, 95, 94? Yes. Ish? Yes. And you got headhunted to go where? To also the in Elgin? was Uwamira. Uwamira, yes. okay. So, so they, they, was organic, they were organic farmers so at the time. So that's now, Uvemira is next to, it's on the Helderberg. Oh, next the other to side. Else. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on, yeah. they, were, they were at that time an organic farm and yeah. very struggling. Yeah. They said to me, come help, and I got the right. I always work within a team yeah. of people. So just talk to me briefly, because we haven't got a lot of time, but I wanted to, so you started at the Elgin Farm as yes. a farm manager, Green yes. Smack. You left the Algen Farm yes. as what? Still a vineyard farm, a farm, farm manager. manager? Yes. But obviously... I've been a farm manager most of my life. No, but there was obviously more viticultural knowledge yes. there. At the time, or? I started traveling. Yeah. I always knew that I had to learn. Mm. So I took all my spare money. I mean, I was a lawyer, so you, I did have a little bit of money in mm. the bank. Not much. So you also knew how to study as well. Uh, I loved studying. I've always yeah. loved studying. I mean, I've got quite a lengthy amount of... Uh, qualifications I knew that I had to study and I had to knew that I but studying wasn't enough I did the three-year course at the Stellenbosch University in my own time with Ivan Archie he always helped me when I didn't know he questioned me said we go back to that book and go and learn more until you know enough mm. so I'd never write the formal wrote the formal exam but I always studied mm. and then I knew instinctively that I had to travel and go to the best vineyards in the world, which I actually did. I went firstly to Sancerre, to the bourgeois, Henri Bourgeois, with the, uh, um, my friend Ziggy. She's South African. And then she introduced me to Didier Ragonot. And I did three, four vintages there with him. And he also taught me a hell of a lot mm. about what, what makes an excellent wine. If you stand on a site, what do you look for? What is it? And sometimes it's something you can't explain. Sometimes it's something that's, sometimes a vineyard looks like a dog's breakfast, but it makes this beautiful wine because things are right. Now what those things are, I can tell you from 
1 to 15, but the last 5 to 20, I can't tell you. Yeah, because that's, sometimes that's the it's mixture just, of art versus science. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what it is. So from that time to being a... Uh, when, when, did you, when did you first work as a viticultural consultant rather than a farm manager? How has how that changed? So this year we're in the mid-90s. So I travelled 50, 50... This year now, is, I've been overseas for 82 times to the mm. best vineyards in the world. I've been everywhere, even to mm. Russia. But people sometimes ask me to consult and I go and I help them a bit just to learn. Mm. And I came, then at, I worked for various different farms and then uh, Johan Rupert may, offered me a job. Um, very interesting discussion we had initially. <laughs> and then I worked there. Uh, I developed, redeveloped his farm with why, his why, team. Why was that an interesting discussion? Because... I don't think he, I can't speak for him. I have the highest respect for him. He taught me a lot. He taught me not to be so cheeky. He taught me to... That didn't take, did it? (laughs) No, he did. (laughs) He he needs to come talk to you again. (laughs) (laughs) No, we used to fight a lot. But I do really do have the highest respect for him. Of course, Mm. also, I think he has a vision that few people have. Because when I started doing the Old Winner Project and I, need, I knew at, the, at some stage that I can't do it on my own anymore, mm. I asked a lot of people in the industry. I went to Vinbro, I went to... We're going to talk about the Old Winner Project okay. a little bit later, but not just Anyway, yet. that was an interesting. My first interview with him was very interesting and then they appointed me. And I worked for him. I so you, you got appointed there as the viticultural person, not the farm manager. Is that no, right? it's the farm manager. Okay. Yes. Right. Still the farm manager. Then uh, we redeveloped Lormara. And this is what year when you started there? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Like it was late nineties, early. Yeah, late nineties. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, late nineties probably. Mm-hmm. Then uh, 97, 98. Then he said to me once to buy a Rhone farm. And I went looking for a Rhone farm. I spoke to, spoke to Ibn Saadi and the guys, Paul Faith, the soil scientist. I have the uncanny ability to speak to the right people at the right time. The people, like I say, I work in a team and people seem to love to help me. So I always have a team, the most exciting team. Soil scientists, uh, um, moisture specialists, uh, cabinet canopy management soil preparation guys, all very people with skill and experience. Mm. So I found a farm at the farm which I love with all my heart, is the Riviak Sarafir. We started from scratch. So I when agree. you say a Rhone farm, you mean a farm growing Rhone varieties, sorry, not, not yes. a farm in no, the no, Rhone. No, 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 sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I have to re- correct okay. myself That's there. Okay. <laughs> he wanted a blast of, a blast, a farm to do Syrah and the Rhone varietal. So, okay. so this is on the, the southeastern side of the Rubik Castile. Western side of Rubik. Southwest, sorry, you're right, yeah, sorry. Of Castilberg. Yes, Castilberg, yeah, yes. okay. So on the, on the other side just, is Rubik Castile. That's right. Okay. That's 80% schist soils, and I love schist soils. So this is the sign that faces Malmesbury and faces... David Simon taught me to love soil. Mm. So if you see soil, you can see the wine. You can imagine the wine. Mm. And when I saw that soil, I fell in love with it immediately. I went there with Francois Fulhun, who was my other mentor. So you're you're starting to sound like you were making decisions as a viticulturist rather than... Yes, I did. That's when it started. And you're right. And then, of course, we founded Kaimanschat. For the Ruperts. Where is uh, that? 
In Kamenskant, the Rupert Farm in Kamenskant. Where is that? I mean, for, for... And Spalier, sorry, that's in Spaliersdorp. It's a fantastic site. It's in the uh, a circle of mountains. The highest vineyard there is 890 degrees above sea level. So this is kind of behind Franschhoek? It's between Franschhoek and Spaliersdorp, but it's yeah. in the mountains. You yeah. drive very high up in the mountains mm -hmm. and where it snows in winter. Mm -hmm. So it's a very secluded place. Is it apples and pears there as well? May, mainly apples and pears. So similar to Elgin in a way. But but without the cloudy days. Yeah. So sorry. In terms of the yes, the agricultural, in terms of the climate, yeah. yes, it's very similar, mm. but also very different because it doesn't have cloudy days and okay. it has a crystal clear. Because it's inland a little bit more. So, yes. Yeah, okay. It's high. It's definitely more um, continental climate. Okay. Where Algon is a more uh, coastal climate, mm -hmm. and it's very high and yep, maritime, yeah. it's a fantastic site. I think it's cool. one of the most promising sites. And we've been making wine from different sites there for years now. Mm. Whenever there's a vineyard available there, I run for it and I take it. Mm. And I give it to someone that makes good wine from it. So um, we developed Ribex Rafir in Kastilburg. That's near Malmesbury. That's very much more up the west coast for the Ruperts. And then Kalmanshat, which is more towards Armanis side, mm -hmm. uh, behind Franschuk in the mountains. And uh, at some stage, I started um, thinking that I've done what I could there for them in mm. terms of development. Yeah. And then people started asking me to consult for them and I started consulting. Mm. I still worked with Lord so, Marat so, at the so time. So this, this sort of coincided with the, the start of the renaissance of South African wine, wasn't it? I mean, that sort of early to mid 2000, that first mm. decade of 2000, when people started to take wine more seriously in a quality aspect? Is that why they were talking to you or...? I don't think so. I no? think... I'm not sure about that. Mm. I'm not sure. I know what, your timing is right. But why, I don't you, know why, why, why do you think they were talking to you then? I have no idea. I have no idea why You don't know? <laughs> no. You didn't ask them? No, they didn't ask me. They, can't, they asked me. Yeah, but you I didn't, didn't ask, them ask them why, why, why I me? I think they sort of... saw what I, the farms that I developed yes. in a completely different way to anyone else. Okay. In a much more natural way. I really, I really look at the surroundings and the mm. landscape before I plant. Well, this is, this is a, probably a nice segue into what I want to discuss next is sort of like the change in viticulture practices yes. over the, mm. your journey and what you... Mm. Look, I mean, obviously you can't look back to... You can't, you can't experience what happened prior to your involvement mm. in the industry, but you know what happened. So what, I mean, what, talk, 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 talk me through that in terms of the viticulture in South Africa is a much different beast now mm. than it was, say, in the 70s or... Yes, it is. ...or even the 80s when you first first started. What's, what's the main differences at the moment in terms of... I wasn't there, I wasn't around in the 70s in mm. viticulture. I was definitely around as a person because yeah. I'm turning 60 this year. But I was not there as a viticulturist. But I no, seem to think from what I hear. Yeah. I, and I from wasn't what around with Beethoven, but I know what he wrote. Pardon? I wasn't around with Beethoven, but I, I know what he <laughs> yes, wrote. Is exactly. what I'm saying. You're aware of what happened. Yes. Yeah. I can still see it. I can yeah. still see the remnants mm. of that time. Yes. At that time, I think 60s, 70s, people were, it was a cooperative system. People used to grow grapes and deliver the grapes. They did not grow wine. Yeah. And that still today is one of the most detrimental factors in our industry. Mm. People grow grapes and they don't grow wine. Mm. They produce, they're producers of fruit. They're, they're primary producers. Of fruit, yeah. not of wine. And that's yeah. a big mistake, I and, think. And, the, and, I mean, we were discussing this before, that they sort of get instructions from uh, KWV back in the day and say, you, know, you right. need to 
yes. do this, add that, take that away at that belling, at that weight in terms of per tonne off that vineyard. And mainly for volume wine. Volume wine, yeah. And Not so they, they just didn't want to at all because that's how they got paid more. Exactly. Yeah. You were paid by volume. Mm. There were um, estate wines at the time, Canon Corp, and, but very, uh, as far as I know, I was in the, uh, around at the time as a viticulturist, but the, very few, Telema, Canon Corp, uh, Niederberg, Mierlist, but they were far and few between. So I think at the time when I started doing serious viticulture, Nelson Mandela was released on that glorious day from, from uh, Victor Verster or from Polsmoor. And people were, we, uh, all of a sudden we could start exporting our wines, people could start exporting, importing our wines, we could travel overseas. And there was this beautiful time when people started realizing that, shit, we can actually make really good wines in this country and we can export quality. And I'm not sure when or where journalists started writing about South Africa, mm. but there was this immense interest in South Africa that blossomed, like started blossoming six, seven years ago. So from a viticultural point of view, what, what would be the biggest changes from those days until now? Planting clean material. Okay. A lot of so people, virus is still like a huge issue. Virus, the, I would say, and I'll probably be crucified for it, but I think... 80%, between 70 and 80% of Stellenbosch red grapes, red grape vineyards are virus. Well, we'll get about, I mean, you could go drive through Stellenbosch in about a, in a few weeks' time after harvest. Yes. And you can see the, yes. the, the myriad of shades of uh, purple and brown, and, well, mostly purple and, and burgundy in terms of the. the I flew over there this, with this my is, I mean, we're talking about just, just to be, well, this is leaf roll we're talking about. It's definitely leaf roll. Yeah. Not all red grape, all red leaves are leaf roll, but mm. 90% of it is. Mm. I once last year flew with my son over with a helicopter over Sunnenbosch, and it was a beautiful picture. Mm. Beautiful red vineyards. No, it's, it's stunning. But if for you me, as a viticulture, yeah, I want to describe. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think the realization that virus is a problem, mm. that, and also the realization, it's only yet a realization. People don't practice it yet enough, I think. But people starting to notice that you really need very good viticulture, a good site mm. and a good jockey to make yeah. really great wine. When you were talking about um, uh, volume being the key previously. Yes, that now seems it's to quality. Have, yeah, yes. that seems to have been a huge shift in mentality for people. Mm. That's Not right. complete, but I mean, that, that's much more of the conversation that people talk about. At least and people are aware and, of it now. And maybe it's even going too far. Like, well, less doesn't always mean better. No. There's, I a think certain, you're... there's a certain point for each vineyard that, that where it's happy producing X amount of tons off the vines that are in the, in the ground. If you go below that, mm -hmm. it's struggling. If you go above that, it's also, you know, maybe... I made that mistake myself. Mm. Underproduction is as bad as overproduction yeah. on a certain vineyard. Yeah. And every vineyard has its own lim limits. So, you know, I've once made a mistake of... I spoke to the farm manager at the time and I said he dropped crop and he misunderstood me and we really dropped crop to two tons a hectare on a very vigorous Cabernet site and we make the worst greenest one you can imagine. Mm. So that was some mistakes I've made before. Mm. But I think the, there's a much bigger awareness now of quality. Mm. But of course, in practice, people don't get paid enough in this country for grapes. It's a huge issue. It is a huge issue. Mm. And because they don't get enough paid, they know what they have to do. A lot of the farmers know exactly how to add quality, but you can't force a farmer to do shoot positioning, to do 
green carvers to do tipping and topping if he doesn't have the money to do it. That's an interesting point because I think a lot of people think, um, and obviously I'm speaking on behalf of a lot of people who aren't here, which is probably unfair. Mm. They think, no, the farmer doesn't know, he, he only knows how to produce quantity. Mm. And you're saying, no, no, he, they know, they just choose not to because it's not a, a viable option mm. for them because mm. the, the increase in quality mm. uh, obviously manifests with a decrease in quantity and that gap isn't being met yes. with the with the higher price for quality. Uh, I know the sums off by heart. Yeah. If you produce in Salamos, you can expect between seven and nine tons a hectare for Carbonay, if you're lucky. This year, of course, it was a complete disaster in terms of volume. Was it? Yeah, this is the oddest year in harvest I've ever had. This is 2019. Yes. Mm. Uh, the sums are easy to make. We've done that at your ex-animo mm. presentation five years ago. So it's it, eight, eight, eight or nine thousand rand per tonne. Now is let me do the sums. So no, you're okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven tonnes a hectare, uh, so you get 10,000 rand a tonne, which is uh, high, on the high side. That's 70,000 rand a hectare. If you, your farming cost in Salamos would be between 50 and 60,000 rand a hectare. Mm. So you make 10,000 rand a tonne, uh, a hectare. 10,000 rand a hectare profit. And now what, you have to... And what's the average farm size? In, in terms wash. of planting? Oh, shoo. Plus minus, what would you... 30 hectares, 30 to 50 hectares. Okay, so you're trying to live off the 300,000... And then you haven't re-established sick vineyards. Mm. You haven't bought a new tractor, you haven't done anything. So the sums just, it just doesn't work. Yeah. But you also can't charge a fortune for the wines. It mm. all, you have to farm to price point per, per hectare, per, per vineyard. So if you have, if you, if your winemaker can charge 200 rand a bottle for his wine, he can pay 20,000 rand a ton. If he only buy, uh, pays, uh, gets 80 rand a, a bottle for a bottle, he can maybe pay 4,000 rand a ton. So it's all relative. Mm -hmm. But at the moment we're stuck. We're stuck between four quality grapes. Yes. I'm not talking about co-ops. Co-ops, the, they're not called co-ops anymore. They're now called salad producers or some mm, other the, word. The more bulk producers. Yes. Yeah. For the quality guys, it's between six and 8,000 rand a tonne, but that's where it's stuck. So a lot of the guys charge a 900 rand a bottle, but they still pay 8,000 rand a tonne or 9,000 rand a tonne. That's just not right. So that will have to change. We'll have how, to... How is that going to change? Is it going to change? Is it, will vineyards have to be ripped up before that changes? Because, I mean, there is a... I found a very, um, from looking from outside as a, as a newbie in the country, there is this mm. sort of, the farmers are reticent to, um, to be confrontational with, uh, with the winemakers in, in a lot of respect. I mean, they're, oh no, he's always paid that much. We can't, I can't put the, the, the price up. Um, they seem a little bit um, docile in a sense, and that's, you know. I think most of them are docile because they don't get enough money. I don't think they're hard-assed. I think a lot of the farmers don't get paid enough money to make a, a decent living. No, I agree with that. But but why aren't they a little bit harder or a bit more demanding? Oh, I think because they come from a culture of under under being underpaid. Yeah. I think, but also because they know if some of them just know really well, if they want to be paid more, they have to do better viticulture. Uh. And doing better viticulture is sometimes not easy. It's a mm. lot of dedication. Yes, understand. And it's a lot of thinking, and mm. you really have to be the best, I so know. to earn more money, you have to put more effort in and not all Much of them, more effort. And not all, all of them are prepared to do that? No. Is that? Yes, okay. that's okay. fair to say. Right, yes. okay, cool.
So what are the, I mean, we've spoken about the negatives. Yes. <laughs> what are the advantages of, of making wine in South Africa? I mean, what are the, I mean, I think, you're obviously super passionate about it, and we're going to talk about the old wine project mm -hmm. in a second. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, I mean, obviously you said you've been all over the world, mm -hmm. you've been in a viticultural, you know, um, capacity, and you come back here. What are you most pleased about? What are you, what are you most proud of in terms of, of what, what's happening here, and why, why should people pay attention to South African uh, because wine. I think if you, for me, mm. some of the best wines where a winemaker has not interfered too much. For me, that's quite important to say. Mm. Because sometimes winemakers make wine in such an industrial way that you don't taste the soil. It's just, for me in South Africa, I mean, if you taste some of the best wines, and I will call a couple of names, if you taste the Schist Syrah that Andrea Malinou makes, or the Skirpak from Evan Sadi, or John Seckham's wines, they really speak of the terroir. I can taste those wines blind anywhere in the world. And I will tell you that comes from that soil, from that site. For me. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I have actually. I'm sure. Oh, I love that. I love tasting a Skirtberg and I, oh, you mm. can taste that soil and you mm. can taste the fainbos and you can taste, some of the farmers say to me, oh, you're always so po poetic about Wines. So I mean, but I can one, really but, taste but these, that. But these wines are, are unique to yes, uh, not just South Africa but the world. I mean, like you don't, you yes. can't, you can't make Skirfberg anywhere else. No. Yeah. And you can only make Skirfberg with grapes coming from Skirfberg. Mm. In terms of the the, the flavour profile and yes. all that sort of stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, that's lovely. Mm. There are so many different terroirs in South Africa. There's altitude vineyards at high altitude. There's vineyard next to the sea. Mm. There's vineyard in clay soil. There's vineyard in schist soil. There's vineyard in sand. There's vineyard in iron yeah. red rich iron soils, and they all taste differently. Everywhere is different, but not everywhere is great. No, no, of course not. Mm. I don't look at not greatness. I only look <laughs> yeah, at greatness. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> I only look at greatness. Yeah. I, I, I choose to ignore the ungreat sites and look at mm. the great sites. Yeah. But I've also made, I promise you, I've made the most ridiculous mistakes. So I drive past a vineyard and someone will say, no, let's try that vineyard. I say, it's a ridiculous site. It's next to a road. It's in a flatland. It looks terrible. Mm. And you make it and it is a makes a beautiful wine. Mm. See, only know partly. You never know the whole. Yes. You have intuition, but you have not have knowledge no. until after the fact. Yes. You never know the yeah. whole. Really interesting. That's what make, keeps it fascinating. Mm. Really. I just want to talk about leaf roll just for two more seconds. Mm -hmm. So as a what, what what is the solution? What what is if you rip it out and replant? That's it. Yes. That's the only option. Let the soil rest for three years. Three. In fact, that's too expensive. People aren't going to do that. Well, if you if you want to do the best, you let it lie for three years. Yeah. If you cannot afford it, you treat the soil beforehand. Yeah. With what? Before you treat with all sorts of horrible insecticides to okay. keep rid of the mealy so bug. Quite, it's quite intense. It, it is intense, but you can do it. We have done it on several farms. I mean, Farfleken yeah. was the first. Was the first. Okay. Lormara squeaky clean after mm. after twelve years now. They clean mm -hmm. and they stay clean. Yeah. But. Leaf roll eradication and farming clean is a complete culture. It's a lifestyle. You have to really be committed. You really have to yeah. say to yourself, I'm going to do it. Mm. And it's not that difficult. It's just a different way of looking at farming. Mm. There's a couple of small things you have to do. Is and it, when you do it, you'll be clean. Is it more expensive? Is it, is it it's more not more expensive, no. Yeah. It's, just, it's, just, it's just a change in attitude almost. That's in farming practices. Mm. But is, does that the, the farming practice are they more expensive? Not at all. More sort of ripping labor, out your whole farm yes. and replanting is of course extremely expensive. Yes, it will cost you now between two hundred and fifty and three hundred fifty thousand rand a hectare to replant. Mm -hmm. 
But if you plant clean material, and I must say we have, I think, from what I've seen in all the other countries, we have some of the most virus-free, cleanest planting material locally in South Africa in the world. Mm. When you buy it's from just, a certain nursery, and I won't say which one. It's just pretty where it gets planted and it gets infected because the, the neighbours are fucked. Yeah. That's why. Mm. The key is to plant, to source clean material and stay clean. Mm. Because you can be reinfected after three years. Right. You can see the infection starting after three years. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And then once it's, you can't treat it once it's started. You have no, to no, you can't take a tablet or do a spray. Once you have virus, you have virus, my yeah, friend. Okay. It's a, it's yeah. a terrible disease. It's very detrimental to the wine. But what? Yeah. What is it? I mean, it's was it shut down? Yeah, terrible. It's just terrible. Yeah. It makes very often you can see the difference in the vineyard because yes. it produces grapes that are pink. Yes. The berries are stapling, they never color because they can't photosynthesize. They so don't so the, the vine properly. shuts down after a certain Yes, the leaves go red, so they can't, the factory stops working. Yes, okay. Not right. only are the veins up to the leaves so the, blocked. What happens to the, just the lower in chlorophyll? I mean, I'm, I'm not a soil uh, scientist by any stretch of imagination or a biologist. Mm -hmm. So just explain it in sort of language Ask, terms, ask so. a guy like Professor uh, Gerard Peterson. He okay. will explain to you exactly. Yeah. As a, from a practical point of view, if I walk into a vineyard... So green leaves turn sunlight into... Red leaves. So no, 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 normal green leaves. Yes. Turn sunlight into nutrients for the that's fruit. That's right. As soon yes. as they turn red, that stops happening. And the, and the, and the, the process, the ripening process are blocked. And the fruit stops ripening and then you Exactly. Yeah, okay. So sometimes they get uh, sun ripeness without physiological ripeness. Yes. So uh, they, and they taste like candy. raisiny, yes. but you get these horrible unripe acids. Yes. I think we've all had wines like that from South Africa. Exactly. Yeah. I've got two more topics to ask you about yes. on a viticultural point of view. Um, first is climate change. Is climate change real? Do you see it in the vineyards? Um, are there, if it is real, um, uh, I mean, I think it is, are there things that South Africans can do? Because we're quite north in the Southern Hemisphere. So we are sort of susceptible to becoming a non-viable area for viticulture, or do we just plant different material, different varieties? Do we go up the hill a little bit, like what um, that uh, Chris and Susie are doing in terms of you know searching for higher altitude spots? What are your you know climate change is a fantastic, fascinating subject. Uh, the United Nations Committee on Climate Change in five years ago predicted that in 2050, which is in 20 years' time, 30 years' time, you, I won't be around, you will be walking around with your kiri. 50% uh, of the vineyards in the world will not exist as, as vineyard sites. Yeah. That's the prediction. Go to Google it, you'll see. But we're not sure where and what is going to change. But talking about predictions, it wasn't the UN, but I did a, um, a test when I was 18 and they, they predicted I was going to be a flower arranger. Mm. So predictions. Well, they, they were obviously not very skilled. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably, a, it's probably, a, probably very was true. It the, was it the local plumber or the local <laughs> electrician? That, <laughs> we're talking about scientists no, here, yeah, my yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah, I understand. And you can see it. I mean, yeah. I have not been around and long enough. I don't. Yes. I think you need two hundred years to see the change. I understand. But in a small way, there, I've there, seen the change there, in twenty years. Okay. Well, let's talk about those small changes in the twenty yes. years. Are there areas now where you think grapes are no longer um, suitable for making fine wine in South Africa, where they used to be. Swatland, I can talk about Swatland okay. with, with experience. Perfect, yeah. Swatland is a wonderful place. Mm. I mean, the quality there from those dryland bush wines, 
is just fabulous. I'm doing a vineyard, very, very well-known vineyard. I won't say the word because then everybody's going to jump at it. On schist soil, on the foothills of Kastilberg, that just produces the most amazing, beautiful Syrah that you can imagine. And several winemakers make wine from there, and they all say, and they can taste it in their wines. But that vineyard used to give you five, six tons a hectare. Ten years ago, now it gives you one and a half, two tons consistently over the last three years. Maybe it's the drought. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Maybe the drought changes. There's long-term effects and short-term effects. Exactly. So, we'll so know, we don't we'll, really know. We'll know if there's a really good or a couple of good wet winters if the yield goes back yes. up with the quality, obviously, yes. remaining the same. We'll mm. know more then. But all yeah. the old farmers in Swartland, mm. I mean, really old farmers. Are there lots of old ones still around? Yes, I love them. Mm. They are... I really like them. They they know so much. They read the weather. They read the climate. They read the soils. They know about farming. They're part of the earth. There, yeah. They are, and you can learn so much from them. They really say that there's a change. Oh, I yeah. can't say. I've been only in agriculture for twenty years. Mm. In their eyes, I'm a baby. Yes. But they can say. And then now they all started doing the right thing. Now, what are the right things? Soil health. We know is something we have to work at in this country. because But that's a subject I can keep you busy for three hours. I'll just say a couple of questions, a couple of things about soil health. We, we can do this again and talk about whatever you want to talk about. I've learned from some of the, like, I always say the best. I love thinking that other people are clever. <laughs> the people I work with are clever. But I've really learned from good farmers and good scientists. And they... I've seen it with my own eyes that if your soil is healthier and not sterilized, over herbicided, over insecticided, over pesticided, overworked soil, the soil is healthier, the plant is more resistant against climatic stress. We know that. I've been saying that at most meetings I've been asked to comment. So there's a farm, for example, that, that when I started with a vineyard seven years ago, we used to get five, six tons a hectare, but we had to irrigate five, seven to eight times a season. And this grapes used to ripen, but for me and my understanding, the grapes ripen by the sun, not by themselves. Not from the plant. Yes, yeah. that's a huge difference. Yeah. Because we have so much sun in South Africa. So you end up with what, lots of sugar, but also lots of acid, is that what? No, lots of sugar, low acid. Okay. And unripe acids. Right. Where if the, the vine is resistant, and we can talk about canopy management. I've changed my strategy with canopy management completely over the last 10 years. Mm. I'm doing it in a very different way because of climate change to what I used to do it. And I must say, some of the very best winemakers in the country actually agree with me. They didn't initially. They said to me, I'm, my vineyards look terrible. But now they do agree with me when they taste the grapes. Mm. But it starts with soil health. If you have healthier soil, you have a more resistant plant. And a plant that doesn't suffer... Oh, that vineyard that I spoke about, that I had to irrigate seven to eight times to nine times annually or through the season. This year, we irrigated it once. Mm. And the grapes came off at 23, 20, 24 and a half bunning. The acidity was still good. The, and it was a dry year, literally, uh, uh, relatively dry year, not mm. as dry as last year. But the in the, the grand scheme of things, it was still a dry year. Yes. Yeah. The grapes came off and it tasted 
Right, but not sun-baked. And in your opinion, that is due to sort of chemical management and the soil. And the, mainly the soil. Okay. Because we mulched it, mm -hmm. we put cover crops in, we mulched it thick with straw, okay. and we composted so, it. And so moisture retention. Moisture retention and, and, and microbes and in the, the soil. And life in soil. Because remember, soil that's sterilized cannot support a plant nutritionally. Mm. What needs? The soil, the plant is can only have access to the nutrients in the soil. And mm. this is now, I'm talking like a novice here, but that's how I think. I don't, that's I've awesome. never studied this, so I have to make it a, palatable for myself. This is why I like talking to you because you make it a simple, so <laughs> I can understand also. Well, me, I too. <laughs> I mean, I've learned from the top scientists about this and I always mm. say to them, give it to me easy, please. I'm mm. like a baby. So, so the plant can... So, so I mean, so, sorry to interrupt, but so climate change, soil management is going to be obviously... Yes, hugely important. important. Hugely yeah. important. Um, and uh, variety selection? Okay, the right? canopy management is the next one, but okay, that's sorry. my little secret. I will not tell you about it. Because I think I'm not sure about it yet. Once uh, okay. I'm sure, you're still I'll tell experimenting you. and still. Yes, but you think it's important, but you're not. I think it's hugely important. Okay. Well, I've done the experiments, and that's not only with Syrah, that's with Merlot, Cabernet, Cabernet Franc, Syrah, Petit Verdot, Malbec. Do you drink a lot of Merlot? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes actually, you drink a lot of Merlot. No, I actually, from the vineyards that I do like, this sounds very um, arrogant. <laughs> But from the vineyards that I do like this, that where Merlot is ripe, really ripe, mm. and not green, mm. the wines are lovely. You're happy, yeah. I'm very happy. Okay. I'm very, very happy. But I also work with very good uh, producers of Bordeaux blends. Mm. I think they are great, two of them. So canopy management and then... Soil health, canopy management, and of course we will have to look at... No, the next one is not only this, the new varieties, but also site selection. And I am not convinced that going higher is going better. You're not? No. Okay, explain that to me because, I mean... Because higher yes. is sometimes more arid. Okay. The higher the mountain sometimes, not always, but sometimes, and I have burnt my fingers myself on that. Yes. The higher on the mountain, the more acidic the soils are sometimes. The more eros er erosion is there? Is that Not necessary? erosion, no. Yeah. Just the soils are drier okay. and more acidic. Right. Why, are they, in South why Africa, are they more acidic I don't up, know. Up, up the hill? I can't tell you. I'm not, okay. we, I'll ask David Simon yeah, about we, that. We, yeah, he will tell me. Okay. He did teach me. I've just seen time. Like you say to you, you forget everything I teach you. I assume I have a very short concentration span. You're, you remember the important things. Yes. I try to say <laughs> that to myself all the yeah. time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but he will... He, I've just experienced it. The higher you go, not always. Yeah, yeah. But, but sometimes it's a common factor. Um, yes. Some of the, most of the, time I, ha of the I time. have I have found soils deep, beautiful deep red soils yeah. high up on Simonsburg. Yes. That contradicts what I'm saying now. Yes. But in general, the higher you go, the more acidic the soils are, and the thinner the soils are. Yeah. I mean, I mean, classically, you think of the classic areas of Europe, like the. The Grand Cru sites. Yeah, the, exactly, the, go to Burgundy. Uh, 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 even in yes. Barolo as well. Exactly. It's not the very top of the hill necessarily. Yes. It's yes. sort of like the sort of three quarters up. Is the mid slopes. Yeah. I went to. Uh, and, you, and you think that's, I mean, we're not talking necessarily going up the same hill though. We're talking about. Um, new plateaus like New series. plateaus and like different areas yes. and then finding higher mid slopes. So who tells you that it's not going to uh, have more frost there in future? No, no, this is You know, it's, yeah, yeah. we don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, high altitude for me is not always the answer. Okay. I would rather look at very good soils. Mm. I will look at 
the mid slopes of the mountains always. And I will concentrate much more on soil health than anything else. Mm. And variety? That, is that, is variety that... is the last one. Uh, Vititec has, not only Vititec, ooh, I get, I get criticized Vititec, for this. Talk, talk to me, what is that? Vititec is a, it's a nursery that okay. used to be the, the KW nursery, now they're private. Mm -hmm. I work with them. There are other nurseries too that is, are also really good. Mm -hmm. I just seem to be able to work with Vititec over the years. Okay. They so are, they import um, vine material from I went to them. Europe, I would have thought? They've been importing vine materials from all over the world for many years, but okay. they, everybody used to concentrate on clones that produce volume. Yes. Now, for the last 20 years, they have changed. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're drinking at the moment, we're drinking a... An Eden Valley Grenache. Yes, which I love. From Southern Australia. It's, this is a very different style of Grenache mm. than what you would find in South Africa because mm. it's, well, it's, it's a different place, but also it's a very different clone. Yes. Yeah. But clones are, it's quite important, I think clones are subject to the soil. Yeah. I really do think that. Because I have had this discussion, there were just two very world-renowned, two epilographers, is that the English word? Guys that know oh, they're, they're the leaves and things, yes. and they can, yeah, yes. They are brilliant. And, yeah, I spent some days yeah. with them in uh, all over. They came to South Africa to look at our Shannon. Okay. Very, very interesting discussions. We had a dinner at my house once. Night and after an hour, my head was so confused, I rather started drinking lots and lots of <laughs> too, far too much wine. A little bit of Merlot. Yeah, nice. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so we had a long discussion about why we were we. Before we started talking about variety, this too. moving variety yes. for climate change. They, they, we had a very interesting discussion about when does a vine actually loses its clonal status? When does a vine, the grapes are not the expression of a clone anymore, but the expression of the site? Well, if and when. Yes. If it actually does that. It does, does happen. When, when does it? Do I that? found maybe that's my romantic side, uh -huh. but from. All the, a lot of the old vineyards that I've done, mm. I found that the, site, the vine becomes an expression of the site rather than its parent mm. clone after some years. After some years? Yeah, oh, when it's old. I mean, 30, old. 35, I mean, 40, you're, you're, 50 I years. I turned 40 just recently. You're about to turn 60. Define old. You're young. I'm old. <laughs> no, I'm not old. No, no, no. I'm, not, I'm still very young. No, but define old in a viticultural sense. Viticultural what, what sense, I would about? say about 40, 50 years. Oh, really? That long? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because we've... Well, that's, but that's, 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 a, quite a, that's quite a chunk of time in terms of viticulture for a vineyard in this country because maybe a good segue to talk about the Old Vine Project because... Um, I think clone is subject to soil. Mm. And, and I really do think so. What do you mean by that, though? I don't know what it's... If, if we plant clone uh, three... F no, plant a clone of Syrah, Syrah SH1 or whatever, in schist on Castilburg or in sand at Constantia, mm -hmm. the clone is not going to tell you what it is. The soil is going to decide what the wine is going to taste like, much more than the clone. Okay, so what you're saying is soil overrides clone. What did I say? Didn't when? I say that? No, you, was my English incorrect? Um, no, it was probably correct. I'm just probably not smart enough to... Okay. Uh, <laughs> to, to I think clone, what I said, I think soil is a stronger soil, determining clone factor. when the vines are young. Is that, is that a fair point? As the vines get older, 
then what happens then? So things, a bit of symbiosis, things come together? I think soil overrides clone as a more determining factor of wine style yeah. than clone. Yes. And the older the wine get, it's not only the soil, but uh, also the total other terroir, yes. the total climate. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yes. Okay, cool. And that... Um, where did we start variety? Hmm. So what so new what, varieties? Yeah, what, what, are the, what are the, I mean, the old varieties, old, um, the current varieties? When uh, I, I, start, I went, I would travel to France when one of my trips, I tasted uh, some Rousson from the winemakers in Bogostal, the that five beautiful Rousson mm. vineyard over there from old vines. Yeah, happy with that. Yeah. I fell in love with it completely, okay. <laughs> completely, totally head over heels. <laughs> Fortunately, the winemaker wasn't around at the time. Yeah. And um, I thought, why can't, why do we have to stick to Merlot Cabernet and Sauvignon Blanc in this country? Because it's what sells. And Syrah. No, it's because at the time it was international varietals. Mm. Same happened in many, many countries in the world where the industrial of big producers or big names, big varieties, international varieties took over from the local varieties. Yes. In Portugal, it happened in parts of Spain. Yeah. So I came back and I had a long chat to Viditech. No, for, for the old world, I would agree with you. But mm. for new world, it is the sort of the classic sort of international yeah, exactly. varieties. You know? Exactly. It's all the French ones and plus Riesling. Yes, exactly. So I came back to Viditech. I brought lots and lots of wine worth in my bag, which is, was, mm. of course, a pain in the butt, as you know. And we started tasting, me and the guys from Lord Marat at the time, the winemakers, and François Fouillon, and Nico Spiet from Vititech. And we tasted, 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 and we, they, were, they were very keen at the time. They have already then started importing new varieties. But then we looked at, at varieties we thought might suit the terroir in South Africa, different places in South Africa. And that's, so you're looking from a viticultural perspective, or were you... From a viticultural perspective, yeah, not always what? from a marketing perspective, yeah, yeah. I must admit. No, 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 that's, that's Because I'm not a marketer. A, I just want to make But a for decision. me, great yeah. wine doesn't start with great marketing, great yeah. wine starts with great vineyards. Oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not um, going that far. I'm just saying that. Well, I'm going that far. No, no, I'm not. I really uh, do think that. I'm not saying, I don't say that, but what I'm mm -hmm. saying is that people don't just plant because it, it is a commercial activity, planting. Of course. Yeah, so you have to obviously yes. be able to. I'm a little bit ignorant when it comes to that or choose to be ignorant when it comes to that because you lie. if you do you lie because <laughs> you lie because um we planted a vineyard recently yes and, oh, and, sure. and your first thing you said to me was like you can always sell chardonnay yes that's the first thing you but, said to me but you i did i did so, also not say that you should plant everything to chardonnay I said, keep the money in the bank and no, keep no, the I'm, eye on the tarwa. But what I'm saying Those is, were my words. Yes, but what I'm saying is, you know, no, you're, not solely, okay, okay. you're not solely no. focused. No, you know, I, but that's I had to learn you, to be realistic. But that's what people, because, I mean, if, 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 the, if your employer doesn't earn money from their wine, you're not going to have a job for very long. And he's not going to have a farm. Yeah, well, that's, and the farm, yeah, farm yeah. workers are not going to be paid. Yeah, exactly. No, I am realistic mm. as well, I must admit. Yeah. Yes. Mm. That's why I never under, I hate veneers that underproduce. Mm. Don't give me two tons of hectare. Like winemakers that stands up on a podium and says, I make this great wine because it's two tons of hectare. Mm. My friend, you're not going to be around for long. Mm. We must be very careful when it comes to production, not to bankrupt the farmers because we want to make a great wine. Mm. Varieties, we started importing a list of Spanish, French, and Greek varieties. Mm. Now, 
of people say, how do you know that they're going to work here? We so, don't know. Yeah. We don't know. But who in his right mind would have thought Shannon from the, that does, comes from the Loire, mm. would produce one of the best stone Shannons in the world from South Africa? This is it, yeah. We don't know. Yeah. So if you don't try, we're not going to ever improve. Yeah. So that's where the Assertico comes from that has now been lately been planted. Mm-hmm. And uh, Roussan, Marshan, Viura, so Makabayo. A lot of Rhone varieties. Lot of... A lot of, I like the Rhone varieties. Oh. I also like some of the, well, of course, the Spanish varieties. Mm-hmm. Viura or Makabu, which I absolutely love. What about Tempranillo? I mean, the, the, fam- I, the, most famous, me, the most famous of the Spanish varieties, I thought. For me, Just in my estimation, mm. in my limited, really limited knowledge, mm. I don't think Tempranillo is a good thing for this country. Is Tempranillo sort of almost like the Pinot Noir of, of uh, Spain in terms of its more yes, continental? We've tried Tempranillo at several sites. Uh, mm. It's a little bit like Nebbiolo. Mm. Where have you seen Nebbiolo work? I shouldn't Outside say of Italy. that. Outside of Italy. Mm. Where? No, no. I, mean, I don't know. There's maybe one or two wines that maybe could compete at a lower level, but like yeah, at the exactly. top, top end. I feel the same about Tempranillo. Yeah. We, I, we, I do think, for some instinctive reason, Viura, because it can produce at volume, but yeah. then it produces those beautiful long wines from uh, Lopez de Heredia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Uh, f- um, anyway, from uh, Rioja. Yeah. And I think... But that's one winery, though. I, mean, you, I know it is one winery. Yeah. But I and like I, I, the look of the vineyards. I yeah. like the look of the grapes because mm. it's small berries. Yeah. It is... This is, this is why people hire... And it doesn't get sunburned. This is why people hire a viticulturist and a marketer, I think. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many bottles of, of, of South African Viura do you think are going to be... How do, you, how do you think Viura will do in a white blend? Well, yeah. I don't say it's a single variety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in a blend it will fill up mm. the mid-palate. No, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah, but there's enough white blends already, yeah. But I think the white blends, we lack what, what one thing in South Africa. Yes, yeah. In whites. What is that apart from Chardonnay and from Algon? <laughs> it's acidity. Mm. We need more acidity. It's a in warm grapes. climate. Yeah. Exactly. So if we can have Picpoul Blanc, which is high acidity, mm. or things like that, that can fill out the mid palate and or produce a more, a more, more acidity. Yes, a little bit more length, a bit more tension. Mm. Isn't that a good place to be? I don't think the white's the issue in South Africa in general, though. I think the reds are the probably, I mean, looking at a big picture, mm. you would think that South African whites in a whole are probably a little bit better than the South African reds. Yeah, you say so. I believe that, but I'm too scared to say that, actually, because I really like South African whites. But I must tell you, David, I think on reds, it's going to be managed more than anything else. Really? That makes a okay. Yeah, right. Now, you, you, I didn't think about it before, but you seem to be a, be a very good interviewer. I really do seem to think that, especially after this season, mm. I've picked some of the Bordeaux varietals from warm, warmer sites, not warm sites, definitely mm. not from Swartland. Yes. That produced stunning wines yeah. because the canopies were done right. I think this whole Bordeaux VSP vertical shoot positioning, leaves plucked out, grapes in the sun is yeah. not... Right. So one, of the, one of the things I want to talk to you about as well, I mean, we didn't discuss this beforehand, but I, I quite like the fact that um, there's areas within South Africa um, that you think that varieties just do not work in. Because no. coming from Australia, we just say, well, they're all virtually uh, varieties. Most varieties work in most places. They're just a, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's just a different expression. Mm-hmm. So Yarra Valley Cabernet is very different to 
But you can reduce it in both Kunawara places. Cabernet is very different to Tasmanian Cabernet, mm. to, um, to Murray River Cabernet. Mm. Whereas here, you go, well, Swartland, no. Swartland Sauvignon? Yeah. Swartland Merlot? Yeah. Please. Yeah. But I mean, there's, there's a lots of Cabernet in Swartland, or has been historically. You know, I've been corrected sort of, very, very justly by a farmer recently. Mm. And one of the best farmers I know. He runs a two hectare estate in, in Kastilburg. Mm. Fantastic farmer. Very shy guy. I won't say his name. I learned He's a lot shy, from him. He's very shy, obviously. Yes, he is very shy. But I really like him a lot. He, when I started, uh, in, when I moved to Swatland 10 years ago, he phoned me up and he said, what do you think about Cabernet and Swatland? I said to him, it's a dead no. And then he started producing Cabernet and Swatland on a big scale. And for him, Veritas is very important. He always wins Veritas. Veritas. is an awards. Um, yes. Yeah. So for, for the local uh, consumer yeah. or the local um, uh, clientele, whatever the word is. And then I, two weeks ago, I went, I always go walking on the mountain. And he has a Cabernet Vineyard very high on the mountain. And I stopped at this Cabernet Vineyard and I looked at the canopy and I saw these, this Cabernet with the blue, this, the berries were size of blueberries. Mm. Very, not a small crop, a good crop but small berries, small bunches, and I tasted it. And I thought, oh my Lord, I made a mistake. Mm. So there, I come back to my point. I think canopy management and the way that you do your viticulture mm. on the reds is very, very important. Mm. That's why I, I really look the why, why, pruning why, of... Why such a difference between reds and whites in that sense? Though? I don't know. Yeah, right. Is it the, the, the tannin... I the, honestly don't know. I think because reds traditionally always ripen later than the whites. Mm. And it's that hanging through the heat waves yes. that kills that, most that, of the varieties in South summer. Africa. Yes. The heat waves of February, three days of 38, you know that what does, mm. th that does to a vineyard and to a grape? They, they, they just can't, it's just too much. It's like shit, yeah. They, uh, mm. they ripen by the sun and not by themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's my, most of the whites are taken off earlier. Yes. Maybe that's just a practical thing. Yeah. And most of the reds, like, like Carbonet, and a lot of the reds are taken off later. Mm. Um, well, but is, is it because sort of tannin um, ripeness is not a concern? No, they just, the uh, some cultivars just ripen later than yeah. whites. No, but for whites it's not a concern, so you don't have to actually keep them on as long. You can actually get them off early. No, they yeah. ripen naturally. Yeah, okay. Shenan yeah. ripen naturally to 23 24 balling in mid-January, end of January, mm. where Cabernet is only a pass of raise on mid-January. So it's a cultivar-specific thing. Okay. But also reds, of course, are being harvested a bit later than whites traditionally. Mm. Uh, you would harvest whites at 23, 24, but most reds are picked at between 24 and 26, or 24 balling. and 25 balling. Mm. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that equates to what? That's about 1.6 times what the... Oh, that depends the, on the conversion for that, year. Yeah. 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 Um, varieties, other varieties. I, there's some varieties I love Mincia. I've been to Ribeira Sacra. I fell in love. Do you like with the it. wine, or do you like the plant in South Africa? I like the wine. Okay. And I like this place it <laughs> comes not, from. We're talking about no, 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 cultural point let, of view. Don't <laughs> let me. Oh, <laughs> can I finish my sentence, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I'm rudely interrupted by the Australian. Yeah, Tony. <laughs> yeah, Tony. If you go to <laughs> if you go to Ribeira Sacra. Um, I've spent some weeks there. It's, it's also quite acidic soils, some of the few in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just soils. It's bush vines. They're old. 
and they seem to be able to cope with everything that I've mentioned. So I thought maybe in the higher lying vineyards in South Africa, Mincia will work because of the schist, because of the heat, because of the bush vines and all that kind of, that kind of viticultural culture. And if they can't sell it, you'll drink it. That's your problem, my friend. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you start with a good with a good painting? Do you start with cheap paint because it will make a good painting and then sell successfully? Or it will make an affordable painting and sell successfully? Or do you start with the best paint in the world? Mm. And then we do the rest will follow. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm... I know marketing is a problem. I know that. But for me, as a viticulturist, mm -hmm. you start with the best that you're given mm. at that time. Yes. And the rest will follow. No, I understand. Yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm optimistic, too optimistic. Yeah. But that's, I really believe that. No, absolutely. But this is, I mean, best from a viticulture point of view, best from a sales point of view, yes. best from a business point of yes. view, best from a marketing, like they, they might not all equal the same thing, no. but you need equally all of those inputs to make yes. the right decision. Is what I've I'm been saying. sitting That's with lots you need, you, need, yes. you need both perspectives to make the right decision. You can't just base plannings no. on marketing. That's fucking ridiculous. Exactly. You can't just base plannings on viticulture because you actually, it's a commercial venture. You need to sell it. Of course. Those two things aren't yes. unrelated. They need to work together. Yes. Yeah. That's why if a guy comes to me like you did with your wife hmm. and says to me, what do you plant here? I'll always look at, at the cost. Yeah. For me, the cost for me it's very important that farms are farmed sustainably. I hate to, to come to a farm and there's a truck standing with all the furniture on the back and the mother Is and everybody's crying. Sustainably because by a financial point of view. Yes. Yeah. That is for me very important. Mm. All the more in South Africa. Mm. Uh, and also um, I've been sitting with lots of marketers and say, yes, just plant Chardonnay, man. Chardonnay will sell everywhere. It's planted in Swatland, planted everywhere. It's true, but would it make the greatest wine that you can on that terroir, on that land-specific site? Yeah. That's always the question. Yeah. So new varieties, I know they're controversial. I know we're taking a chance. But I think now with Vinpro, as now uh, under the guidance of the very good Francois Fulhung, has now started planting these new varieties on different sites in the country. So Vinpro is the sort of a government mandated viticulture. No, it used to be government mandated. Now they're private. Are they private? Are they? Yes, they okay, are. Right, okay. And Francois Union is in charge of that. And uh, I, they have a team of consultants, viticultural consultants, and I work with most of them. And I like really like all of them. We have very, very good viticulturists in this country. People like Johan Fulhun, Francois Fulhun, Johan Wieser. Uh, Pierre Schneemann, uh, Konrad Skitter, uh, not um, that's just consultants, not farmers. Mm. They know. I mean, I belong to the little group, and I'm like the baby, the junior thing. Mm. And whenever I have a question, I post it on the WhatsApp group, and they give me an answer within seconds. Oh, bang! Yeah, right. It's fantastic. Mm. And there's a scene to be a to working together um, culture that I, I really like. So. Vinpros are going to farm or plant some of these new varieties on different sites and different soils at different altitudes. And that will tell us what will do better in which site. Okay. So the farmers will have a huge advantage of that. A lot more information. And, yes. Yeah. Yes. Cool. What you can expect from Mencia in Darling versus Fredendal versus Stellenbosch versus Elgin. Mm. That would be fantastic, I think. So one of the... Um the, the key things to happen in, in viticultural circles in South Africa recently, in the last sort of 10 years, the, the establishment of the Old Vine Project, which we obviously mentioned a couple of times already. Mm -hmm. You were a driving force behind that. 
I used to be, yes. You, no, you were a driving force behind That's it. That's right. Of, yeah. yes. So where did that um, germinate? What, what, was it your idea? Was it was it a was it a conversation with a couple of people that you thought, fuck, no, that's 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 a good idea, or what was the? You know, I went to. I mentioned it before. I went to the south of France. And I tasted some of the old wines in, of the world. I also went to with Didier Dagenau, and I went to Alsace. I had a good friend there, um, Dumaine Paul Blanc. They mm. made beautiful, beautiful wines from old wines. And I tasted the wines and I thought, but this is different. Mm. I tasted it. Mm. And I said, you know, what's so different about this? He said to me, it's old wines. And I thought, what's old wines? What is your old wines? What does it mean? Mm. And they described to me, Didier Dagenau taught me a lot on that. Mm. So I came back to South Africa and I spoke to Ivan Sardi about it. And I spoke to some winemakers about it. And they all said, well, we do have old vineyards. And at that time, they've already been... What year is this, roughly plus minus? David, I don't know, do numbers. I no, can't no, like remember. Late 90s, early uh, 2000s. That's before I started, just before I started working at Lord Marat, late 90s. Okay. So um, at that time, Markin was already making the Semiel mm -hmm. from the famous Semiel in Franchuk, Malarba Semiel. Irina von Rolls was already making wine from old vineyards. And Ivan Sardi was already making Mrs. Kirsten, but they never called it old vines. Just starting to, though. Yes, yeah. yes. She, he started, what, no one? I have no. I think at the year then I started looking into it. He okay. already made a wine, okay. so I was not the first mm -hmm. at all. There's never really a first in particular. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that, but the old wine project is. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah. I came back and I, I asked around. So at the time I was driving around and I asked the vineyard workers if they know, and a lot of the vineyard workers know me. They all know Tanirwasa. Sorry, but mm. that's the term you use mm. for me, and I like working with them, and they like working with me. And then I asked Vinpro, the guys from Vinpro, and then Johan Ful Jung. What were you asking them? Like, what were you asking Where them? are the old vineyards? Okay. Do we have old vineyards? Yeah. Do, and where do we are have they? Them? Where are they? Nobody knew them. Yeah, okay. Nobody knew where they are. Mm. And then they say, well, go look there and go look there. And then I drove to Skirtbath the first year and I got sick on the way. Now to come back. This I did in my spare time. So Skirtberg is where? Skirtberg is a beautiful place. Sand, red sand, up the west coast, on a little mountain overlooking the cold seas of the Lambert's Bay area. Mm. So it's about 340 kilometers from the sea, but it's high. And have, uh, so if you're, if you're driving from Cape Town? If you drive from Cape Town, it's about three hours drive from okay. here. Up the west coast. Mm. So north, north from Cape Town? Yes, up the west coast, north, north from Cape Town. Mm. Unirrigated bush vines, so old vines. Olifansberg WO, is that right? Uh, or, yes, or that's it, right. Yeah. I think it's Olifansberg. Yeah. Uh, Olif, no. Citrus Dole. Citrus Dole. I think so, yes. So I went there and I got lost completely because just getting to Basie van Dole's farm is an impossibility. So I got stuck with my Land Rover at the time and cha cha cha. And then some farmer helped me. And late that afternoon I arrived there. And I, when I walked onto that farm and I walked in that vineyard, I knew this is just. Oh no, the first was not Basie, the first was Hank Lang. Mm. The Semiel. And when I saw that, I thought, this is just neighbors, something. Virtually, yeah, there are neighbors, yeah. on that mountain. There's only three vineyards on that mountain, three mm. small vineyards. And is it sort of like a plateau? Or is no, it... it's, it's a plateau on top of this. It's, not, it's hardly a mountain. It's a high mm. hill, you can call okay. it. Right. But it's the most fascinating place mm. because it's surrounded by Feinbos. And all the farmers there have different uh, farming, what do you call it? They have sheep and... Okay. Apricots yeah, yeah. and cattle and this and that and the leopards eat their sheep then they farm cattle again and mm. 
it's a very, very... Um, it's like Italy in 1960s. Yes. Yeah. And the people are like that as well. They oh, don't yeah. have cell phones. At that yeah. time, mm. it was impossible to get hold of them. Mm. When you did phone they have, them, they either... they have fax machines though or not? No, no, they had nothing. I promise you. And you, when you phone... When I started the Old Vineyard Project, now, I found Skirfbad. Mm, I yes. phoned Ibn Sadi and I said, let's make wine. He said, absolutely. So why, why are you phoning Ibn Sadi every time? Because I always have always loved his wines. Mm. I absolutely loved his wines. At the time, I was working at Lormara, and I also said to my own winemakers, at Lormara, let's make something from this. Mm. Everybody was very critical at the beginning. They said, are you crazy? Driving vines, grapes three hours away, four hours in a truck, from a place where nobody has heard of before. There's no tarwa. The orange groves. And, yes, and where there's just fainbos and crazy people. And I convinced them, and we made the wine, and the wine was just stunning mm. from the start. I think I was very lucky at the time because my first hit was fantastic. It's still one of my favorite wines in the world. Is that your first sort of? Yes. Right, right. yes. And who told you about that one? Johan Fulhun from Vinpro. Okay. And then the farm workers started telling me about others. Oh, right. The farm, they would say, yes, mevrouw, there's this vineyard there on that farm. Turn right at the red tree, then turn left at the, at the gate, and then you go through an orchard, and there it's on the hill. Now you try and find that place. <laughs> so it took me a long time. But then I went to Savas, our um, institution that records all wine and all vineyards. All the statistics. All the statistics, yes. Yeah. And at the time, they said to me, no, all uh, farmers' information is confidential and we're not allowed to release it. So I said to them, all I want to know is give them a list of the farms older than 35 years. And they said they're not allowed to. So 35 years was your kind of... What, well, why? in my mind, it was 35 years. Yeah. If you look at a vineyard of 35 years and it's still around in South Africa after 35 years, yeah. it's so, old. So it was a sort of an arbitrary number, but chosen on experience of... Yes, I also looked at what they change. do overseas. Yeah. And overseas, it's 35, 40 years. Yeah. And then uh, they, after about four years, now this is driving around weekends and recording on a little piece of paper in my car, you know, this vineyard, found that winemaker and they make the wine, da, da, da. So what were you hoping to achieve at this point? Before, I mean, this is pre-old vine, vine, vine project. Good wine. Sort of. I wanted to show people that South Africa can make these fantastic... You were just looking for the because best Skirt years in the country. Because crept into... It was amazing. It just, mm -hmm. it was just a magical wine, I think. And yeah. I knew if we can show other people this, we could make maybe make these beautiful wines. So the Skerfberg, which is obviously what Ewan called his wine. Yes. Um, that fruit. And not Skerfberg. Not only Ewan. Yeah. Then Chris so, Arnold made. That there's other wines coming yes. from there, isn't there? Ewan was the first to make, but then Chris mm -hmm. Arnold came to make these beautiful. I mean, you know Chris Arnold's wines. Mm -hmm. They are just. So there's a Mark phenomenal. Stop. Yeah, there's several he makes mm. there. First it was cartology, mm. and then the that rest was a followed. component, yeah. Yes. And um, after four, about four years, so I, was, I went back to Yvette. Yvette is the, my leading woman there at Savas. She's formidable. I said to Yvette, please, man, I need the list. I can't drive around. I don't have money left. Please give me the list. And she said, okay. Then the press started writing about these wines. And she went to the board, and the board said, okay, give the list to her. She stopped. <laughs> I'm sure they all said... Just, just, just make her shut up. <laughs> She's so irritated. <laughs> yes. But with yeah. the con two conditions, mm. that I'm never, ever to financially benefit from the project, mm. which I haven't up to now. I've never had one cent from it. And secondly, that I'll phone 
each and every farmer myself. That was an impossible task. Mm. So I used to get a lot of my friends at my house, Yulandi from Kurvenberg, Christoph from La Chavalerie, Ryan Moser, we used to sit there Tuesday afternoons and phone from three different cell phones, costed us a fortune. Mm. And now this is a story on itself. Now you phone a guy. You phone like early morning, then they're having a prayer meeting. They pray. They lead from the Bible and they pray. On a Friday morning? Every morning. Oh, every morning. Okay. Of course, every morning. Well, I don't know. I used to I'm, do that with my labor. I, I come from a very different culture. <laughs> and as Afrikaans, you pray in the morning. Okay. Every morning? Of course, every morning. I don't know. Don't say of course. I don't no, know. No, you read from the Bible and you pray. Okay. So then, that, then you can't speak to him. Then you phone a 10, then he's out to herd the sheep. Yes. Then you phone, and if it's once I phone, and the woman on the other side said to me, are oh, you a woman? Because my voice is a bit dark. She said, yes. She said, what do you want to do with my husband? <laughs> so it was a really <laughs> difficult journey. In the end, we got like 30% of them. But then I thought, this is not going to work. So it takes too long. Them? So can, can we May I, Do you still have the vineyard? And yeah. very often the vineyard was already removed. Mm, okay. Do you still have the vineyard? And am I allowed to publish this on a website or yes. on a list? Mm. The I'm old list, if you remember correctly. Yes, yes, yes. And then at some stage I realized this is getting completely out of hand. So I phoned, I went to see Vinbro, I went to see Destel, I went to see everybody to ask him to sponsor me. Mm. Because I can't do this on my own anymore. The and this is getting of real importance to the, to the industry, I thought, at mm. the time. No, the Am I Old website is when I first um, became aware of what you were doing. Yes. Yeah. And that I had to pay myself. I mean, I'm not a rich woman. I, um, anyway, so... Then one day I got really, really miserable. And I found you, Andrew, and I said to him, honestly, I need to sponsor this. And he said, come and see me. I went to see him, and he, without blinking an eyelid, without thinking twice. Why do you say in English without blinking an eye? Not an eyelid, an yeah. eye. Without blinking an eye, he said to me, how much do you need? Send me a budget and you can have the money. Which I think was an enormous... Um, I think he's just afraid of you. No, man. <laughs> no. He was, he did, just, did he, feel he had, <laughs> he doesn't feel threatened by anybody, I promise you. But he was, Except I think Sonny he was Rosa. incredibly generous. Mm. I will always, and it's because of him that we now have the Old Vineyard Project. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, I appointed. So let's start there. What is the Old Vineyard Project? We've alluded the to Old Vineyard Project is as, as it is now as a non-profitable. Obviously, with that injection of cash, it became something else. Yes. What does it, what did it become? It's a non-profitable legal entity mm -hmm. who now has members. It has a, a legal structure. So you, if you have vineyards older than thirty-five, you become a member. You pay a fee, a very very small fee, and you get onto our list. Uh, we have. Uh, we, the aim of the project is to try and preserve old vineyards. To so promote and preserve. Promote and preserve. But it's mainly a viticultural organization or a viticultural movement, not a marketing tool. It was formed by a viticulturist for viticulture. That was the aim. Then I... The, uh, so, so just how, how does that manifest itself then in terms of how, how does a... How, do, how does how, is it sort of like to share information on how to prune and farm these old yes. vineyards? Yes, we, the idea, uh, we uh, f uh, from the viticultural point of view, people can phone in and ask me, or at we hopefully one day will have enough money to appoint a viticulturist again. 
And we've been sponsored greatly the last year by Falco Africa. Mm -hmm. Falco is the pruning show people. Yeah. They, Gijs from Falco, love, he just... Strong name. Yeah, Gijs. Yeah. Falco Africa is sponsoring the trainers of the pruning teams mm. of the old vineyards. So if you have an old vineyard to phone up, you say, can I book a pruning teacher? On Because old vineyards need to be pruned in a very specific way. Yeah, you no, can't just prune it, them like you want to. It is to. very different. It is very to different, To pruning yes. a 40-year-old vineyard to a 10-year-old vineyard. They're totally different. Okay. Completely different. So then we will have our team of pruners going out and train the farm. We don't train the fancy guys. We train the farm workers. So he will stand there for the day and explain to them. And we, we re, last year we started, we started this two years ago. Last year it was quite successful. Now this year we're going to have a big jump. Mm. We're actually going to have material, breeding material available for them. Uh, they're going to be able to teach them how to sharpen their shears and okay. exactly how to prune the old vineyard. Okay. Um, Is there, and then sorry, hopefully... Yeah. Hopefully, we'll have a system that's one thing I've always wanted in this country. It's a system whereby farm workers can get onto an accredited system of training. Oh, okay. Where you will, be a, you will get taught, uh, taught by uh, the Falco team so I've been through in the, year one. The, the old so you're a printing course, yes. for example. You have done one year one, yes. year two, yes. year three, and year, year four. You're a master pruner. And then you're certified, yeah. Okay, cool. Then you're certified That's as a master cool. pruner. That's very cool. That would be fantastic. Yeah, very cool. Because I think the farm workers of this country, the level of knowledge and they is completely underestimated. Mm. They know how I learned to prune, not the, only from even the, artists, these, these guys live from in the, the workers. These guys live in the vineyards. They Every day, mm. men and women, mm. and the women are still underpaid compared to men. Are they but really? that's another topic. Um, well, it's International Women's Day yesterday, so we maybe... So we're working at that okay. hard. But I think if we can train them and have them proud of their job yeah. and have them accredited, it could be fantastic. But that's a long discussion. Social upliftment starts mm -hmm. with education. I've always said that. And now in the Old Vine Project, we'll actually do that. So by that, mm -hmm. I think if we can look better after the Old Vineyards and we can make them more sustainable because that's mm. always the crux. So if people want to learn more about the Old Vineyard Project, where do, I, where do they go? Go to the website, which is what? Old Vine Project, www.oldvineproject.co.za. Okay. And there, we not only do viticulture, then at some stage, two years ago, it mm. feels like 10 years ago, we appointed uh, Andre Morgenthal. It's not only me. We have a, a director, which is me, Evan van Wyk, the lawyer. Yes. Uh, Johannes van Niekerk, the financial guy. And, of course, uh, John Lofty Eaton, uh, the man from Mr. Rupert's office, which okay. I asked for. Okay. And he's, he keeps us on the straight and narrow financially. All right. Okay. Yes, he's a very he's strict. A bit of an auditor. He's so very, very about. strict okay. with us, yes. Yeah. And the, within that framework we operate now. Um, then we appointed Andre Morgenthal, and that was the best thing we could have done. Andre is, has given a new momentum to this project that is just unbelievable. He's got passion and drive and loves a lunch. Yes, and loves people. And loves people, absolutely. So we are having two tastings a week now with sommeliers, journalists. Him. People even the world love him. Mm. I promise you, I've traveled with Andre to London, and everybody likes Andre. Mm. We can't say that on air, please. That sounds very paternalistic. No, but, but I really... Everyone, everyone does love him. This, <laughs> this is true. It's not, 
it's he's not, like, because you can just be maternal. You have to be maternal. Yes. Okay, maternal is better. Yeah. Um, since then, the of course, the PR part of the old one project has just escalated. Mm. Now, when sommeliers come, when journalists come. But now there's a little badge on the wine, and, and people can. Since he thought of the idea yeah. of actually having a seal on the on the bottle, saying certified thirty-five certified, years old. Actually, the Minimum. planting year of the vineyard yes. gets, uh, is stated oh, right. okay. on the yeah. seal. Yeah, yeah. He now has a seal that's uh, uh, policed by Sarvis, mm. so you can't lie about the that. The people, which are very... I mean, you're talking about being strict there. Yes, um, they're super strict. <laughs> they are. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for better and for worse, they do very good things and they do some... Yes, but they do a lot of good work, absolutely. honestly. No, 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 and they have helped the old vineyard project in a huge way. Mm -hmm. So now it's the seal and the, the transparency is policed by Solvice. Mm. We have a seal. We have tastings all over the world. We're at ProVine next week. We're in Spain the week after. I'm going to Japan. I don't do much Why on the PR. Japan? Is that related to Kathy Van Sale? Uh, Kathy Van Sale asked me to do all, uh, her... Ma Master of Wine yes. in Somerset West? Yes. yes. I work quite closely with the Master of Wine group. I don't know why, but okay. they seem to get along. And she's asked me to do two tastings in Japan. She brought out a group of For Japanese. Old Vine Project, um, old Vine project wines, okay. yes. She brought out a group here four years ago, and we just seemed to like each other. And uh, she asked me to go to Japan. So I'm doing two tastings in Japan of Old Vine wines. I chose eight. Uh, we started with eight members. We now have 50-plus members. And like I mentioned can, to you can before... Can anyone join? Anyone can join. Anyone with vineyards older than 35... Or anyone that's interested in, anyone can join. The yeah. public can join. Just some punter like myself can yes. throw some money yes. away and get a badge. That's right. And not only that, you get invited to our uh, tastings. We do a lot of tastings mm. to a lot of people. And, of course, at the we're now in, in Plato, we have a category. That's uh, um, If you have old wine wines, you get a, the symbol next to your wine. Your the Plato is the wine guide. In Plato is the wine guide. Yeah. We in in shops, retail shops, we have a, a complete different section saying old vines. Mm. In not all of them, but many. I'm not, not, yeah, I mean, coming from a, a, a more sort of sales point of view, I'm not sure that's a great thing. But yeah, well, let's see. That's a discussion. Let's see. You know what about the old vine project? Mm. Is I didn't plan any of this. Mm. This just happened. You must be proud of it, though. I, I'm love it mm. because why? Because it keeps people on the land. It makes farming more sustainable and it shows people what South Africa, I think old vineyards, I think I love young vineyards because they're expressive and they're quite sexy, you know, they're mm. fruity. I speak as a viticulture for God's sake. I'm not a professional taster. You are. You're a highly qualified sommelier. I am a vineyard manager. I work on the soil. But for me, if I taste wines, I don't taste the terroir. As much. When the vines are I young. Taste, yes, when mm. the vines are young. When they're old, they show me where they're from. They mm. show the landscape. Mm. And I think if you're going to have more vi wines like that, mm. we can show people really what South Africa is all about. One of the things that's been sort of uh, leveled or accused of the old wine project, which I think is a little unfair, is that you're saying that only good wines can come from old uh, vines. Anyone who says that has never read what I write. Yeah. But I just wanted to give you the no, opportunity yes. to... Old vines, not, not all old vines make good wine. Because I've never, well, that's also a very good point, or yes, interesting well, sure point. sure not. I'm but not that stupid. I give you the opportunity to, because you never said that, you never inferred that, as far as I know. Ever have yeah. I said that. Mm. I've never said only old vines make a good wine. It's like saying only old people are clever. That's a stupid thing to say. 
Um, As I got older, the more I believed that, though, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I'm getting less clever all the time, actually. <laughs> um, I do say that... So what do old vines bring, then, if, that's, if those two things aren't true? You if, tell me, as a sommelier. No, no, but I'm not, I'm not involved in the old vine project. I mean, you, you were I the one who kicked it off. What, what, what was the... Was it the... I mean, obviously, young vines make delicious wine. Yes, they can. Yes, up old front, vines can make delicious more wine texture, also. more structure. Young vines can make almost shit wine, and old vines can also make shit wine. I've, those, those I've two tasted things, more. Those four things are also true. I've tasted more average wines from young vineyards mm. than I have from old vineyards. Okay. That statement I will make. Why that is is another matter. Maybe now the question is why? Are, why did some of the old vineyards get old? The one theory. There's lots of theories. Yes. The one theory is a co-op winemaker used to say to the producer every year, shit man, that really makes a nice one, keep it on. So the quality, the inherent quality caused the survival of the old vineyard, if you know what I mean. Is, do you have any sort of anecdotal evidence of that being said? Or is that just a, an assumption? I've heard some, I've heard, no, to, sometimes to the opposite. I know in Skirberg at some stage the wines were declassified. Mm. Because they had too much acidity in the whites. Now, mm. how that worked, mm. nobody knows. I don't think all Alvinas make good wines. I've seen some Alvinas make average wines. Mm. But it's also the winemaker has to be really careful in the winery, I think. Do mm. not overwork the wines. Do not impose on the wines. Let the wines do their own thing. Mm. But that's, I'm not a winemaker, so I can't tell you what to do in the... Yes, yes. But I, have, I can taste. And I know my vineyard. So if I taste a vineyard where the wine was overworked, I can taste it. If I taste a vineyard where the winemaker behaved himself and did not behave himself, yes, I was not arrogant. Were you a school teacher at some point? No. <laughs> Better not. I think not. you should have been. <laughs> and the reason why is uh, could be a many answers. But I think it's also because some of the old vineyards made really good wines over the years. I think, okay, and they were identified as such yeah. and kept alive. I think it gets, in a, in a way, gets back to your your point you were making before when, when you said as vines get older, they reflect the site a little yes, bit more. And, and that's, they do. And that's why wine is so important. That's why the place, that's why we put the place on the label. Exactly, exactly. So that's that uniqueness of it. Yes. So old vines are unique in their, not in necessarily only in their... Um, in their age, but also in their location. For sure. So they, they maybe they express that location. That's a fact. They, they amplify that yes. location, or they, yes. they, it's, it's a more clear um, representation of that, yes. uh, that location as a young vine would And that could be a bad thing as well. You know, old vines mm. in shitty soil will just be shitty. Mm. But old vines it's in good soil. It's very interesting will be, yeah. that some of the oldest vineyards in the country are planted at high density in mm. old riverbeds. Yes. Is that, so is that, why is, is, is that? A, that? Is that a water thing though, or is that? I think it's 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 because the, that's where the water ends up. Yeah, it's like the footpath, like mm. uh, the oldest red, the sinso from Malinu. Um, you know, people believed. I was taught that in South Africa, it was plant wider. So why did this were these planted at high density and survived? Why we don't know. That's, yeah, right. The, that's for me. The ageability and the aging process of old vines need to be studied intensively mm. to know how to deal with the challenges of climate change. 
Because why did they survive 120 years? Well, because, I mean, this is just an assumption and maybe a hypothesis. I'll put it on a hypothesis. Because, because they were in the sort of the, the more fertile, more um, uh, the wetter areas in terms of where the water ends up, they were the highest bearing. And so when, when volume was the key factor of where the vineyard Maybe was that survival, could be that. Yeah. But why at high density? Yeah, that's also yeah, that's a good question. Because some of them were planted before machines. It, I guess. No, yeah, before yeah. machines, before tractors. Yeah, yeah. So didn't need to some have... of them were planted in 1890, 1800. Hey, that's before the... F that was 1900, 1800, mm. yes. That was planted during the Boer War, when the English and the, and the Afrikaners were fighting each other. I mean, that mm. is a long time ago. That was when... How, how, I mean, how trustworthy are those dates, though? From Sava's quite... What, from 1899? No, 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 no. A very valid question. Because there were eight, I can't remember correctly, eight or nine vineyards in South Africa planted in 1900. Nothing before. So they only started recording in 1900. Yeah. Not 1800. Where's my I'm not good with numbers. It's okay. In 1900. Mm. So I'm sure some of them were planted long before 1900. And they were just there, so they just put down, they, it exists as exactly, of this point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So not all old wines make good wine. I've never yeah. said that. And not all young, some young vineyards, some, some French estates I've been to in the past say that the best year of a Syrah is in year three. Some people believe that. Why that is, is because of light and air and more, more sun, indirect sunlight, I think. But I do think that old vineyards give you more, tex more texture, a bigger mouthfeel. Less varietal expression, more terroir expression. Yeah. You taste the shenan sometimes, you're not sure if it's a shenan. That's my answer to that. Yeah. I fair. once went with, to, to substantiate what I'm saying, I once went with a very, very well-known international consultant to the south of, to Argentina, where he was consulting for several farms. And we tasted, every day we tasted about 40 wines for a week long. I was very, very tired after that's that. Your, that's not your thing, is it? That's not my thing at all. <laughs> so we tasted, tasted, and every, my only job was to identify, because he knew at the time I was interested in old wines. Okay. And my only job was to keep quiet. I was not allowed to say a word. Very easy for me. And I had to... Really? I, <laughs> sorry, what? Sorry? I had to identify <laughs> the old vine wines in every Oh, right. Wine. So you had to say, like, wine number four, eight, and 17 is... Do you have any idea how interesting that was? Mm. That was. How did you go? Quite well, yeah, right. actually. It oh, took me a couple of a, actually, a I'm, while. I'm actually asking the wrong person, and I. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It was after a while. I got like sixty percent right. Okay, so you, you and did you get feedback straight away from He's the first just, day? And you you know, said the like, first day, he said to me, "I have no idea. Yeah. You have no idea. Just keep quiet even more." Yeah. And then I started thinking and yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. and. What makes so by the, the end of the, the what makes the difference? By the end of the week, you by the end of the week, I like, knew it was this you're, one, you're number it. three and mm. number forty-five and number twenty-eight. Yeah. So if that's not a learning curve, I don't know. But also, that also says maybe that the winemaking isn't that relevant. I have lots of respect for winemakers, but I think winemaking is totally overstated mm. and viticulture is totally underrated in South Africa. Yeah. No, I really do think so. I'm not and the best winemakers I know are the people that takes the grapes and converts it to wine. Not takes, take in the grapes and manipulate it to a wine style that they like. Mm. 
That's all I will say about that yeah. subject. No, but what I'm saying is that you, were, you said you were able to sort of determine to a fair degree which wines were from old vines. Yes, I could. Yeah. Yes. So that, that's, that's saying that the old vines come through despite the winemaking is what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. Well, fortunately, at the time, all the estates we tasted from was made, all the wines were made in a certain style. Oh, okay, right. Okay. By, consulted uh, to by this consultant. Oh, I see. Right, okay. So that was, so there, a, there was a, a standard. There, there was a common factor. That's right. Okay. Yes. That makes a huge that was, difference. That made that a huge exactly. difference. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Yes. So I thought it was just sort of like 40 random wines. No, no, no. The, all, the, uh, all the winemaker personalities would have shown rather than the Yes, was. this is what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So I was interested in that. Yes. Yeah. I do really think we have very good winemakers in the country. The best mm. winemakers in the country are the wines, are the winemakers that listen to the vineyard. Mm. And it sounds romantic and it sounds very, um, because I'm a viticulturist, but I really think that's true. Mm. I've, um, mm -hmm. Suzanne Allight um, uh, told a story last time I was studying to Butchie and Susie and they said, well, we went to see um, uh, Tom from Matassa. Mm. And she said, one thing he said as we were leaving, this is before they started, they were still mm. sort of in there. He yelled out, like, the vines know what to do. Mm. <laughs> and exactly. Said, and she said, that was such ridiculousness at the time, but the more I think about it, yes. as time goes on, she said, that yes. that's, that's actually, that's it. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's a really good insight, I think. It is. Yeah. I really do think so. I work with a new winemaker at one of my biggest producers. Mm. That um, so when you say biggest producer, I'm not going to ask you who it is because you obviously don't want to say otherwise. You would have said it already. No. What are they? How? What are they? Two thousand tons. Two thousand tons. Okay. Yes, I think it's about two. Yeah. And I do all the vineyards for them. Yeah, right. I love it. That's busy. I, huh? Absolutely. No, no, no. I work a twelve-hour day every day of my life, right, right through the season, not only in harvesting time. Mm. I see to it that. That's just because you can't like not that very organised. Pardon? But says you're not very organized. No, I'm very organized. I have a very structured life, obviously. <laughs> I do the pruning. I, every veneer that I consult for or manage, mm. the pruning is according to my standards. Mm. In consultation with the farmer mm. and the local pruner. So we would all stand there in the bloody very cold day. And I would say to them, okay, guys, what do you think? Surely the farmer's in the fucking vineyard, in the row, in his bucky with the window down. Sometimes the farmer is the owner that sits and have coffee with his wife at home. Mm. And I work, I work mostly with the farm workers. Mm. I don't work very often with the owners. With the vineyard managers and the farm the workers? Sometimes they're not even with the vineyard managers. Okay. Sometimes I, I train the vineyard workers or the contractor. Mm. Remember in South Africa there's this funny, funny, funny thing that's happening at the moment where the farm workers are not living on the farms anymore. They're living in town. So they don't are okay. not employed by the farms anymore. They're oh, employed by right. contractors. Okay. So now you have contract teams that yes. go around. Yes. And for so in for that's a big change. It's an enormous change with yeah. its own social implications. Okay. Good, of course. Good and bad. Obviously. Very very bad. Mostly. Oh, just mostly bad. Yes. Why is that? Because we're losing the the special breed of vineyard workers the people who grow up on the, the people site. that grew up on the farm planted the vineyard pruned it saw the mistakes and learned from it so the historic fact of farm workers in south africa or in the western cape for vineyards i'm not sure about the whole south africa is and that the vineyards, mo yes. most of the wine well, most of the farm workers would have born and grown up yes, on that farm that's right no not anymore it's their, their their parents would have worked in the vineyards their, exactly their, their grandparents parents would have so they will come yeah. home theoretically uh, they would come, or what is the word? They would come home and sit around the table and say, 
Jesus, but that vineyard was like this today. And the grandpa would say, yes, man, I told you you pruned it wrong. Yeah, back in 2017. Exactly, that kind of culture, that Mm. culture of farming and of viticulture. Mm. We're losing that on the farms. Now we're keeping a skeleton staff of a tractor driver and the irrigation guy, and Mm. we're losing... Outsourcing it. Yes, most of it. But now, in a way... You, those people are also better trained. A lot of them, not all of them, yeah. but they don't always get paid very well. So that's just another matter so for another day. Lots of pros, lots of cons. Both yes, ways. Yeah. but like in Swatland, all my best vineyards are done by one woman with her team. Who, who on the farm? No, who no. live in town. Okay, but she's... She's trained her people over the years. Okay. I've trained them. We've kicked some out. We've got some... Now we have a mean team of... Mostly women, actually, that are the pruners. And we've trained them, mm. and they're fantastic. So there's pros and cons, but I hate losing that farming culture of vineyard mm. workers, that breed of old pruners, the, the, the people I learned from. Is it, and this is just a, a question without really thinking about the, uh, the answer, is it necessary to uplift the workers to actually remove them off the farm so they have actually more options for their life? Because if they, they live on the farm, there's only one option for their vocation. They have only one option as no, an employer. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a very difficult question because a lot of the contractors don't give their work, people work 12 months of the year. Mm. Where we, If you were a farm worker living on a farm, you'll have money yeah. coming in 12 months of the year. Yeah. So these people now, my aim yeah. is to have contractors. And I have three different contract teams in every... I have three contract teams in different regions. Okay. So my aim is always, and I started that when I was at Lord Mara, and fortunately they really agreed with that, to give them work 11 months of the year. So you, all you have to do is better organize as a farmer. Yes. Because they say... It's a plan say, and, and Exactly. Yeah. They say to me, but in harvest time we need, and pruning time we need 100 people for two weeks. I say no. Have 10 people over three months. Is that... Okay. It is possible. So it's not time critical pruning in that sense. And no. it's not that time critical. No, it's not. It's obviously, not that time. Obviously harvest is, but yes. pruning isn't. No. Okay. And there's always there's always other work that can be done in the quiet months. Mm. Like in May and Ju- in May, April, May, you prepare for cover crops. Mm. You just have to plan better mm. and then you can give people so to answer your question is I think there are more there are there were more positives for the people to stay on the land at the time. I'm not talking about the payment, yeah. about the money itself. Yeah. It's a complicated issue. I'm it not, is a yeah. complicated issue. But the moment we can train the people and we can employ them 11 months of the year and not only three months of the year, because how do they make money for the rest of the time? Yeah. I would really like some support. No, not me. I would like more support for the wine vine worker training programs in mm. the country. Maybe from government, maybe from the industry, maybe from, I don't know from whom. But I really think that's the one part of our industry that we neglect. Okay. Well, yeah. Tani, that's it. Thank you.